You are listening to episode 271 on University of Adversity. Having a good team like that also helps you get through those losses, those tough times, because everybody goes through it, right? And the difference between the great teams and the not-so-good teams, it really is like a few-game difference. It's it's situational differences. It's not everybody in the NBA can play basketball. Everybody's great, Mm. right? But it's, it's little things, just like in everything else. The people that are great and the people that are good, it's just like one little decision, one little decision to go a little bit harder. One, you know. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. If you guys are new to University of Adversity, welcome. All you regular listeners, I love you guys. I appreciate you. If you are brand new, please subscribe wherever you're listening to. And if you want to watch this on YouTube, head over to YouTube and subscribe as well. Really appreciate it. You're in for a treat today, everybody. Uh, This is a very, very special guest that I've been excited to have on and share with you. He is a former NBA star who is currently in the middle of making a major comeback from a knee injury into the NBA. His name is Festus Azili. He grew up in Nigeria and was on the path to become a doctor until he found the sport of basketball and the rest is history. So excited to share this with you guys because this is such an awesome story. He won a championship with the Golden State Warriors in 2015 and continues to be an inspiration in so many ways. His story of battling through adversity, injury, and building this relentless determination to succeed will blow your mind and will inspire you we unpack a lot here we unpack his journey what it takes to be a champion how to build work ethic what it takes to be a leader a lot of different things so you will get a lot out of this and i really highly suggest that you listen to this right till the end also um if you guys do get value out of this please leave us a five-star review on apple or share this with a friend it's always greatly appreciated and of course follow Festus. He's got an amazing cause called Rebuilding the Beast. Um, He's got an Instagram page and he's just got inspiring content that is helping show people, um, show people's will and determination to get back from whatever they're going through. Right. And that is the inspiration behind all of it. So I'll we'll link all that in the show notes so that you can go check that out and follow him. He's a real breath of fresh air. One of the most humble dudes that I've been able to have the Um, pleasure of speaking with on the show and um, it really really left me inspired so without further ado enjoy the show Festus Azili coming right up here we go round two Festus thanks for coming on man I hopefully the uh, tech tech gods are on our side on this one let's uh, let's rock (laughs) this man thanks so much for coming on the show brother I really really appreciate it no thank you for having me thank you Uh, the technical (laughs) difficulties be damned we're doing this okay yeah that's you know that's the that's the thing about it too it's like after doing this for a while you really realize that that's just part of it you know it's part of the game and and sometimes you get the the tech difficulties and you just gotta roll with it right university of adversity that's 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 part of it too i was about to say (laughs) i was just gonna say i was like man you're already used to we're talking about adversity and if you you kind of have to be somewhat used to it to yeah. be able to start a podcast like this and you've got to be able to respond to it so yeah appreciate man. you being patient 
Absolutely, man. So, you know what? Let's, I, I want to really get into your story, you know, because right now we'll come back and talk about rebuilding the beast, what you're up to right now. Um, I know you've been training in Germany, you've been, you know, rehabilitating and all that. Let's, let's talk about that in just a minute. But for all of the people, a lot of the times, you know, we see people, see them in the media, see them playing sports, professional athlete, whatever it is. And we don't really know how they got there. You kind of see them shining, doing well, but we don't know the behind the scenes. And what I really want to do is kind of like pull back the curtain and kind of like learn more about your story for a lot of the people that probably don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. For, for all the new listeners, just getting to know you now for the first time. I would love if you could start right back in the beginning and maybe walk us through what it was like for you, a young man growing up, and how a little bit of the journey on how you got into basketball and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, I was born in, my name is Festus Zili. Uh, I was born in, in Benin City, Nigeria. And getting into basketball, that, that was never a, a goal of mine. That was never a track that I was in. I was an academic kid, kind of a smart kid. Uh, my parents pushed me in school. You know, both parents very, um, they, they had high ambitions for me. I was the, I'm the first son first child and they, they always wanted me to be this this upstanding person and I felt that pressure a little bit you know I graduated high school really early I graduated 14 and immediately after I graduated high school they they, put, they sent me to America they wanted me to um, they wanted me to, to become the first doctor in the family which was kind of always my my I always knew this was what I was going to do graduating that young you you always like, you never know where you fit in and what's going on. And so being able to adapt to the school the way I did at the time also helped me later when I moved to America. I moved to a city hour north of uh, Sacramento to live with an uncle of mine who was, uh, who was a doctor as well. And so I left Nigeria, I left my family and I came here, uh, I came to America actually, um, because I had this dream of going to medical school. Mm. And like I said, basketball only came in later. Actually, it was supposed to be a tool to help me pay for school. My uncle saw me and, you know, and talking about our plans, he said, well, you know, he was trying to convince me he was, you should play basketball. And I'm kind of a chubby kid. I don't, I'm not an athletic kid at all. A little clumsy, actually. Um, very shy. So everything about basketball was anti, I was anti everything basketball. And um, he was like, yeah, you never know, man. You never know. Just, just try to do it. You know, we could get you a scholarship to go to college. And even in trying to convince me to play basketball, he actually takes me to a game. He takes me to an NBA game when I came to visit him, when I came to live with him. What was the game? It was the Los Angeles Lakers versus Sacramento Kings. And it's my first time. I had always heard, even back in Africa, I had heard about Kobe Bryant, you know? And it, it was just so crazy to me that I was here. And watching this game, he was, it was everything and more. For, for a kid, I, I couldn't play basketball. 
So every skill on the basketball court was amazing to me. Dribbling the ball between your legs was like magic, you know? Dudes dunking was like, oh my God, I can't believe that they're actually doing this. And, you know, so watching a guy like Kobe Bryant, the skill, the intensity, just the, everything about him, it just, you know, they describe, the way they describe Michael Jordan is the same way I felt when I watched Kobe Bryant. That aura that you see around somebody who's so great. So, um, yeah, so during this game, my uncle turns to me. And the only reason why this part of the, the story is important is because you just never know, right? Mm. And so you never know the power of the spoken word. And so my uncle turns to me and says, you never know, maybe someday you'll be here on the court. And it was just like, I think he said it maybe even in jest, just, hey, you never know, you know? And um, I looked at him like, yo, what are, you, what are you even talking about? You know, it's like me telling you, maybe you'll be Superman. Like, it's just like, what yeah. are you even talking about? You know? He planted a seed for you there. He planted a seed, absolutely. And um, after this, it, it, he signed me up. So I told you, I graduated high school in Nigeria at 14. So when I came to America, um, my uncle actually convinced me to go back to high school so I could learn how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to high school. And the, the worst part about this whole thing is I go back to high school, I've already graduated. And so it was almost like, oh, you're too young to go to college. Well, when I'm, in college, when I'm back in high school, I'm in all honors and AP classes, right? So um, I was redoing this thing with the hopes of playing basketball. I end up not making the team because I didn't know anything about basketball. That was really the, the, the part that we overlooked a little bit. And um, I go from, from that point in my life to meeting, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a short way to tell you this story. I, I, I meet a guy, like a random guy. It's like I call him an angel, a guardian, something. And um, he's talking to the basketball coach at the time. And the basketball coach... You know, he, they, were, they were walking through everything that was going on that season. He said, you, know, this, you guys are going to be really good this year. The, the coach says yes, and, and he points to me. This is this man. His name is Keith, Keith Otterson. And Keith, he, he points to me and says, Yo, you guys have a big kid this year. You know, you're big. I'm, uh, at the time I was, you know, 15 years old, I was 6'5", maybe. Wow. And, you know, the coach was like, no, nah, no, nah, he's, not, he's not any good. And so this guy comes up to me. Actually, matter of fact, this is how the story goes when he, when he tells me the story. He says he's walking with the coach. and says, You guys are going to be really good this year. you got a big kid now. He said, the, the coach responds, said, we're going to be good, but not because of him. He said, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, Can he run? Coach says, yeah. Can he jump? The coach says, yeah. No, what's the problem? Coach said, he can't chew gum and walk at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> And so he says, uh, yeah, can I have him? He's like, sure, do whatever you want. So this, this guy, Keith, comes up to me, big, burly guy, and he says, hey, do you want to uh, play on my AU team? You know, and um, I'm not interested at this point. I know, you know, I already realized that I'm not good enough. So, so I give him some excuse. Oh, no, I'm not. So he gives me his card. He says, call me if you're interested in, in doing this. Well, long story short, um, 
I played with this guy's team for two years. It's a travel team, just a summer summer ball team. Mm. And I played with his team for two years. And during that time, I I leave the high school. I go to a junior college. I'm the video guy for the basketball team in the junior college. And um, two years of what you would call obscurity. And before I knew it, I was um, top 150 kids under 18 in the country. Wow. Now, it sounds good, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you two different defining moments for me during that time. One of them was I, I scored my first basket against my own team. That was, that was, I mean, if you think that you've been embarrassed before or you've, I, I mean, I don't want to bring up any childhood traumas here, Lance, but I'm sure you've had your own different things. This was very, very, I mean, I told you I was a very shy kid. So playing in front of a crowd is already hard enough. Mm. But being the person that messes up this badly, because I didn't know the rules of the game. I didn't know that at halftime, you switch ends of the court. So for me, I was just I, and so having Keith there with me to hold me and say, hey, you're going to be okay. Just keep working. That was one of the moments for me. And um, I had a, I had, he, he took me to workouts and took me to workouts with his kid. And it was, he was like my little brother. His, his son is, is Kyle, Kyle Otister. And he was like a little brother to me. And we both did all these, you know, all these trips and, and the, we played these games together. During this time, I, I just was getting better. I was getting better at the game and um, just getting better at controlling my limbs, to be honest, because I was just very lanky and I didn't really know what I was doing. And as I started to, to get some confidence in myself, you know, having a person who's like a father figure to you is always important for a kid who is a teenager. Um, two years later, you know, I was invited to a top 150 kids camp in the country. And I just couldn't understand how that was possible. Wow. After that camp, I had 32 scholarship offers. You know, uh, that number changes because I, I honestly, I just didn't really, I, I, I just, 32 was the number I remember where I stopped counting, to be honest. Mm. And, um, I started off with a dream and really no direction. And God just kept bringing people into my life and situations that gave me the ability to go to college. The dream was still to be a doctor. So I stayed on that path and I wanted to pick a university that had a great medical school. And you know, at this point I was starting to enjoy basketball. So I wanted a good balance of both basketball. So Vanderbilt, was my choice. I chose it because I really wanted to go to Stanford at the time. And Vanderbilt was like the, they call it the Harvard of the South, right? Good basketball program, good um, academics. And it was, it was just a, it was a good, it was top 15 at the time. And it's still, I think it's 13 now. So anyway, besides that, so I go to Vanderbilt. Uh, I was there. I started off as a practice player my first year because even still, even after being top 150, all the kids at this level of basketball now are all still there, that and above. 
So I start off my first year and I'm a practice player. By my third, fourth years in college, I am the team captain. I'm all conference. And I was blessed enough to, to be able to win uh, an SEC championship. And we beat Kentucky and Anthony Davis, who actually just won an NBA championship this year. And, um, yeah, it's just my, my, my journey has always been this, this constant rebuild, right? Got to the NBA. I was, I was drafted. Um, I, I can't believe that I was drafted to the NBA after this. But I was. And it's a testament to the work. Um, put in, I put in a ton of work. I had amazing teammates in college. And um, there was just this drive to just keep getting better to see how far I could go. And I made it. I was the first round pick for the Golden State Warriors. And um, yeah, it, it was it was a dream come true. At this time, I guess I want I put the the medical school dream to the side. Uh, at some point there. And you can interrupt me at any point. To, yeah, to I, um, there's, there's a lot I want to unpack there, but I want to make sure that, uh, you know, so, okay, well, let's, let's, let's pause there. Uh, what, I, what I really want to dive into with what you just told me is what was it that Keith instilled in you to believe in yourself, to get through when you were doubting yourself? Because, you know, when when these things happen it's so easy especially when we're young to just say oh shit i'm i'm done like i i am not capable of this we talk ourselves out of these things and you see it all the time right but what was it that that re- what did he install in you like what were the things that you took from that that kept you going because your whole story is like is resilience You've and you you've had this this ability to keep going. How did you develop that? Was that was that from your parents growing up, or is that along the way? Was Keith a big part of that? That's where I really love to dive into because it's so easy when we get to that that level, you know. Because I played hockey, I wanted to make it pro, but I never had the belief that I could do it. If I if it looked hard, I was like, oh, there's. It's impossible. It's one in a million. You hear all these people talking about stats. It's impossible to make it pro sports. But it's like you just take it piece by piece, one day at a time, one, one level at a time, one team at a time. And it really is about belief. You know, how did, how did he install that in you? Like, what are some of the things that you worked on to keep that, that dream alive, to keep that persistence alive? Okay, so uh, this is a really, really, really good question. And I was talking, you know, we make this joke all the time in my, in my household. There's this feeling that we have. Um, maybe it's also why I was good in school. We would do, we would, we would have these exams back in the day, back in school, whatever. We would have our exams. And when I was younger, I would, I, I was very fast in my class, right? When I was, I was, you know, I skipped grades fourth fifth sixth grades i skipped i went straight to the seventh grade wow because i was so much farther ahead than everybody else my mom was always pushing me at home right not necessarily pushing me but she would always educate me my my english was farther along my my math skills all these different things she already taught me these things at home she was an educator she was actually a lawyer but then she became an educator at some point 
And I didn't go to her school, but she was always, how do you teach somebody else's kid and not teach your own? So that was always her thing. She always wanted me to, to be, you know, everything I could, everything I could be. So and I would always be first in my class. And I remember a few times um, I would come in second. I think I came in third. And I remember my, my, my parents' reaction, actually my dad's reaction. My dad always used to say this. He said, the person that came in first in your class, does he have two heads? That was this, this idea of what makes that person better than you? Mm. And there was always this idea of, of competition, and it's still there to, the, to, to this point. I, I always have that idea that if you give me enough time, I could get really good at something, and I turn it into a competition. Well, it, it, this showed up later in my life as well, because they told me I couldn't play basketball. Now, I wanted to quit. I was like, this is too hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I, this, is, this is the mountain is way too hard for me, to, too high for me to climb. And I remember I came home one day to my uncle. I was like, especially, I, I just got cut from the high school team. He signed me up for this high school and I got cut. And um, I told my uncle, I don't want to do this anymore. And my uncle was like, uh, yeah, you weren't any good at it anyway. You know, yeah, don't worry about it. It's, it was going to be too hard for you. And he knew what buttons to push for me. He knew that I, I wasn't going to let it go. And this is where, you know, at this point now, you know, the next day I went and bought a hoop and I put it in front of my house. And after this, it's just, I just started working on my game. I wouldn't say this is what really pushed me over the edge. I think having somebody like Keith, who was a mentor, who would put his arms around me when I messed up in games. Like, I'm, I'm trying, but I scored the wrong hoop my first game. What do you do after this? Because this is the adversity moment now. This is like, yeah. what, where do you go from here? A lot of people would, people would just like fold the tent, man. Yeah. People would go, oh, I'm just, that's the pivotal point right there. Right? This is why mentors and, and parents are so important. Mm. Because he put his arms around me and said, you know, all these people are, are going to be calling you later. You got to keep working. So I remember one, um, there was a workout that I did with his son. In the middle of this workout, I quit. Like, this is like 30 minutes into the workout, I quit. I laid on the floor. I'm like, hey, I can't go anymore. And I remember his son keep going. He, he kept going even though he was tired. And later on, he, you know, Keith comes to pick us up, and he hears about this, and he chews my butt all the way back. We're driving from Nevada, Reno, back to Sacramento. He chews my butt all the way back. And at some point, he was like, yo, you have, to, you have to understand the things that people said about you back then. Don't let that be true. Don't let the things that they said about you, all those people laughing about you, don't let them be right. Mm. And as much as he was upset at me, he was upset for me. He's like, yo, you have to want this thing. You have to work hard. And I never quit a workout again after that. No, it takes these little moments. It takes, it, it, there's no one defining moment that says, oh, now I've made it and now I'm, I'm impenetrable to, you know, I, I don't think about, I don't, I don't doubt myself anymore. You have moments and you have little things that test you. And I, I, I keep coming upon this, these things, but because of the previous battles that I faced, 
I think it's easier for me to make that decision now. Or I, I'm more sure that I can keep making this decision. But yeah, having a mentor like Keith was really important for me at that point. What did you see in Kobe that really made him different? Because obviously he was amazing, you know, but you know, a lot of people, you, you, people don't get that experience to really like when they're playing in the NBA and to see what it's like, you know, what, what did he do differently than the rest? You know, like what are some of the real specific things like that you notice later that you're like, that makes somebody exceptional versus like just, just regular, the regular pros, like what makes them that much better and that much, you know, um, much more of a force of nature. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that is synonymous with Kobe Bryant's name is hard work. Work ethic for him was was number one. When I got to researching who this person really was, because but I was a basketball fan, I just knew Kobe Bryant because kids in Africa would throw the paper in the trash and yell Kobe, just like everywhere else. This is how what he meant to the game of basketball. Yeah. But as I started to do my own research and see him, I was like, this person is, he's unrelentless. He, he doesn't, or he's relentless. He, he does not, he doesn't quit, you know? And you would see things like, you know, he had a game where he just had, you know, he had an obscene amount of points. And then he flew to the next city and he was in gym at 3 a.m. in the morning. Because he was un- he was still upset about really? his performance. Like, he had this crazy high expectation for himself, and, and people asked him all the time of the expectation of the crowd. And he said, "Nobody's ever going to have more or higher expectations for me than I do of myself." Mm-hmm. These are things that you can emulate as a young guy, right? Because if you see that the great, the greatest in the NBA is working this hard. What excuse do you have if you're sitting here trying to make it in your college team, mm. right? This is why also these these role models are important because if you understand what their journeys are and what they're working through, you know, I'm not one of those guys that, that enjoys, like, I don't like people putting filters on things and, and making and talking about the glitz and glam. I want you to tell us what your real story is. Mm. And Kobe was never shy of doing that. He would always tell us what, what was going on. Granted, he didn't want to tell everybody how much he was working because he didn't want people to steal his secret, but you would know because you would hear it from everybody. You would hear it from the janitors. You would hear it from his, from his teammates how much he pushed them. And so that, I think just that standard that he set of, of a work ethic was something that we can all admire. Yeah, and, and even watching The Last Dance with Jordan and seeing the behind the scenes of like the level of excellence that they demand of themselves, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, people just think, oh, they're just great because they got lucky or something. But it's like the work that it takes to get there is incredible. Yeah, greatness is not this like esoteric thing. And I used to think yeah. that people that won were godlike creatures, that yeah. they were just born for this. Until so you see around you, the more that I read, the more that I watch, you, know, you talked about the last dance, it's little decisions. As Michael Jordan gets into college and saying, who was the best player? I want to work, I want to work as, just as much as him. I'm going to work just like him. And the coach asking him, 
if you say you want to be better than him, why would you want to work just like him? He said, okay, I will work harder than anybody who's ever come here, who's ever been in the school. And they show that through their actions. It's not just saying it. You know, everybody doesn't get to, to do that because it's, it's really tough. It's hard to be great. What, so with your journey, like with coaches and leadership, you know, what, would, what makes a good leader to you? Like what makes a good coach? Out of all the coaches and all the leaders that you've had, you know, like what was the thing that made them great? Versus, you know, because a lot of coaches, they have like fear tactics and people start to tune them out and it's not necessarily the best style, but then there's some that are just encouraging and just like they really pull out the best of you, you know, and, and I admire coaches that can really see the gift in people and really pull that out of them, right? What about that for you? Like, what were some of the things that really stood out as, as a coach that that really like pulled you to your, your, you know, to the best that you could possibly be? I think the, the best, one of the best um, qualities of a coach is the ability to connect with whoever you are trying to lead. Mm. Right. Um, physically, emotionally, like you just have to be there with them mentally. Right. And um, there's a selfless nature that leaders also have. This, this, like, I, I really care about my guys. I care, and, and people can feel it. Um, I've been lucky at every stage of my career, whether it's college, whether it's in the NBA. Um, I've been lucky to have coaches that really cared for me. Mm. And it, when people care about you, like, I, I'll give you an example. So when I was in college, um, uh, before I chose Vanderbilt, I had this meeting with my coach. This is when I was in, when I was in high school, when I was trying to pick a, a college. He and I were sitting in the car and we were trying to figure out, um, what, you know, coach, what do you want from me? And he's asking me, what, do you, what would you like from me? And I told him that I, I wanted to redshirt my first year. I had never been on, a, on, a, on an actual team, an official team. I had only played on this travel team, which changes every, every tournament we had different players. And I said that this is my first time being on a team. I want you to teach me, teach me how to be on the team. And he sat there in that car. He promised me, I will, I will teach you. And I will also treat you like you're one of my sons. I will push you. And if you're willing to work, I'll make sure that you're your highest potential, whatever it is. Okay. So when we got through with that conversation, I felt comfortable enough. I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. Now, if I knew at the time what he meant by I will push you, <laughs> I don't know if I would have chose that. But that's not, that's not, you know, to be honest. So when we were in college, he, he every day in practice, he would be on my, t like, on me every day in practice. And at first when I started in college, I was kind of fumbling. I was doing, you know, I was kind of messing things up because I was nervous and I was dealing with these things. And after a while, I started to get it. But what really changed for me is one day I, I went into his office. This is about end of my first year. And I was like, dude, what the, what's going on? Why are you, why am I the person that you pick on the most? Every time, every drill, every, I am the person. I feel like I'm a scapegoat. This is not okay. And, you know, he said something. Actually, no, this was my sophomore year. Uh, um. And so I, he, I said that to him, and he, 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 
kind of looked at me with like this this almost like what a how a father would look at his son like almost looking at the prodigal son right and just loving and care he said you know if i didn't care i wouldn't say anything if i didn't see it in you i wouldn't push you mm. but i really believe in you i think that you could be the best player we have here and when you hear me yelling at you I, there's a quote that he told me there was a there was a way he put it and it was along the lines of the person that the people that you push the most are the ones you care about the most and if i stop we, we oh you should be worried if i stopped saying anything to you cuz it means i've given up on you it's mm, a good point yeah and it, it i think a lot of times you need that perspective change that's what leaders do to help you see things from the other perspective they give you like this extra boost to be able to take take the take the hits or to be able to push yourself farther to get to that that end goal and he was right you know after after that i never complained anymore matter of fact i i that's one of the reasons i think when i think people sometimes get frustrated cuz they can't really get to me right it it gave me this crazy thick skin of it gave me this thick skin of a of a shell cuz now i enjoyed it i wanted him to come and and get to me i wanted i loved it when in practice we would, my team would be winning and he would switch me to the other team cuz it was that michael jordan thing right he was pushing me he was priming me he was he continued giving me that killer instinct and you know by my senior year i was a, by my junior year i was a team captain and we were champions by my senior year. We the first time in 60 years my school had won. Mm. And to say that it it happened just because of me is that's not the truth, but the way I see it sometimes is like I was the kid that they said shouldn't even be here. And having these mentors, having these situations and then also being a kid that takes coaching right cuz a lot of people can't take it they can't they don't want anybody to tell them what to do their ego gets right? in the way right ego and i felt like i think that coming from where i came from i think that it was a blessing for me because i believe i knew that i didn't know anything so i wanted to listen i wanted to learn teach me what you know let me learn and then i can figure it out and so having the coach push me that way having the coach explain it to me and understanding that he cares i think that's what made me understand that he was a, he was a really good leader and then you know he 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 brought out things in all of us that made the sum of our parts greater than the sum of the like the individual i've tried to unpack this myself and just see like what i see in other people as being um inspirational or somebody that's makes you want to take action even and it's like a it's like a mutual respect you need to have that respect for the the person you know it's like if you don't gain that respect it's really hard to really want to do go out of your way you know it's to to for the team you know and i think a lot of times that's a missing piece it's like that trust is so important right and that comes from listening that comes from like really finding out about about players you know and like That's what for me I've always looked at it I was like why is there certain people that I connect with and that I want to work hard for and there's some that I'm just like I don't I don't care you know and it usually comes down to the trust 
Yeah, so this is actually a good, a good topic too because don't expect things from other people that you're not willing to put yourself through as mm-hmm. well as a leader. And as a leader, you don't, it's like this picture on Instagram where you have a leader and he's standing on, uh, what was it? It was like, there was like, everybody's pushing a, a boulder or something. And the leader is standing, there's like two kinds of leaders. One of them is the guy who's holding a whip and whipping it. And the other guy who's the one standing in front and saying, this is how we push it, guys. And I think that that's what, that's really, the, the second picture is the leader to me. That is how you gain the trust. You have to be in the fire with the guys. The day we won the championship, my coach just sat on the ground. I remember this vividly in my head, and he's crying. Like, he put as much into this process as anybody else. He was the best X and O guys, that I, X and O offense guy I've ever seen in my life. And it was just with the time that he put in. And so when you see somebody care that much about the process, about you guys as a team and about the, just the outcome, I think that also makes you want to go above and beyond. You know? How many times were you counted out with injuries? Like how many times were, was that like, oh, you're hurt? Like even within yourself, the dialogue, like I'm hurt, I'm battling like how many times did you have that thought that you weren't going to be able to get through? Because a lot of people, let's be mm-hmm. honest, go through an injury and it's, they're done. They don't heal properly. They give up on themselves. Other people give up on them. I mean, how many times have you had to really bounce back and have that conversation with yourself to keep going? Uh, okay, I'm going to be honest here with this one because, you know, there's a certain level of, I won't call it naivete. It's like a brutish, would you, would I even call it perseverance? It's just this idea that I just feel like I can't, I'm indestructible, <laughs> right? There's this feeling sometimes that, yeah, I used to have that. Um, I think that, um, I remember when I was in college, um, I had an injury when I was there and that was my first time being injured. This is my senior year. And I was, it was something that was, you know, really tough, tough for me to come back from. But before that, I was just looking at, and I think they thought I was done. Like they thought I was, I couldn't, I couldn't come back from this. And I've always been this guy that just like, let's, let's just see, let's see what happens. You know, I have a, I have a best friend who, um, who gets mad at me sometimes because He's always the person for me. Whenever something I'm, I'm about to do something, he comes to me. He's the voice of reasoning. Hey, man, maybe let's think about this for a second. And then whenever he's about to do something, and he asks me, I'm like, yo, just do it. And he was like, yo, what, what is wrong with you? Why don't you ever tell me? Why don't you be my voice of reasoning? I was like, yo, I know who I am. I know what I, what I bring to the table. That's not my job. I'm always going to want to push the envelope and see how far we can go. And... For me, that's something I, I kind of always have understood is that like, I know that I can go farther than I believe that I can sometimes. Um, so I, I've been counted out. I've been counted out multiple times, but like I said before, the reward that you get for overcoming one battle, it's not like you get to win, you get to win this race called life. 
And and uh, I understand that. So I just know the next time I hit a hurdle that I'm stronger because of the other things that I have overcome in the past. So um, yeah, I've, I've been I've been doubted and I, I keep getting doubted, but it's okay because that's, you know, as long as God keeps giving me the strength to come back, the strength to keep to keep going, I'm okay with it. it. Makes the story even greater. That is the key that so many people miss, is like understanding and not being a victim to the situation, like realizing that this thing is going to make me better, right? Because a lot of people want the easy road, and anything comes in the way, they quit. And it's 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 like realizing that that bump in the road is going to be the thing that's going to elevate you to the next level. Because if we stay the same, we don't grow. We don't have any challenges. We don't grow. We don't get anywhere. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm always all Superman though, because there are moments, there are moments like, yo, can I really make this? Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a moment like that last night where I just was like, man, like, is this, is this really worth it? I'm talking with Keith actually. <laughs> who's a mentor of mine now still to today and i said man i don't know if i can do this anymore like it's 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 really hard and um he gives me some advice and gives me some you know inspiration but then i get on my phone and i'm on instagram and i'm looking through some stuff and i see um it was a young girl I was a, I follow a, I I started a page rebuilding the beast and, yeah. and and based on your history and the things that you like and they show you a bunch of other things like that so I follow a lot of inspirational pages follow a lot of people who are incredible who are inspiring and um, I happened upon this girl I've never seen this before it was a um, what do you call when um, she was an amputee right mm-hmm. yeah. but she had the she had the metal rods. And she was a little girl. She had she couldn't be any more than eight years old. And I saw her dancing, you know, with with the rods. And in my head, when I see something like that, it just automatically switches. It switches back from no, I can't, there's no way. I can't be ungrateful for the opportunities that I have. You know, at the end of the day, I have my legs and I've been able to come back from injuries. I have my arms and I'm able to do all these things. And so it it gives me the inspiration to push through those dark days, knowing that there's other people out there who are fighting, who are inspiring their own journeys and their own ways. And so for me, I just know like, if I can, why not? I'll keep fighting the battle. Um, and then if I can't, then I move on to the next battle. I'll move on and go do something else. But I don't want to ever be in the situation where I'm complaining and whining about my situation because the little girl's not complaining. She's dancing, yeah. you know? So what am I wasting my time and energy for? Totally. Yeah, it's the, it's the switching to kind of focusing on what you do have versus what we don't. But that's human nature, man. Everybody goes through that, right? But it's good to be able to switch out of it. It's it that's that's, it's that's your, the key thing. You're never ever gonna be you're never gonna be free of it. Yeah. You never stop yourself. You never just you're never ever gonna have a feeling of um what do I do here? So you're obviously no stranger to um you know the resilience as we talked about and 
fighting back and battling back to get to where you want to go. Walk us through your journey right now because that is super inspiring, right? To be able to get through an injury and to want to come back and to be the best in ever. So how, how has that been for you? How, how has your journey been? You know, you're in Germany, you're training, you're getting things back. Talk to us about what is going on in your mind and what has been some struggles for you. Like what has been the hardest part about this journey of coming back? Hmm. Well, my, my journey took me into the NBA and to the, one of the, at the time, one of the worst, actually the worst team in the NBA. And this team actually became the best team in the NBA. I won an NBA championship, you know, my third year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Went to another NBA championship the following year. We, we broke the record. When we were the, yeah. you know, broke the Michael Jordan Bulls record of most wins of all time. And we end up losing the NBA finals after being up three to one. Right. And they still talk about it today. Shortly after that, I got, I had an injury and it put me in a wheelchair for six months. And this was a tough injury to come back from. I I was scared that I wasn't going to walk again. I was scared for a lot of reasons. Basketball initially was the least of my concern. And um, here I am two and a half years later, um, working on an NBA return. Um, when I left or when I played my last NBA game, I was 26 and now I'm 31 and it's, there's a lot to unpack. There's so much, uh, haven't played in a while. Mm. Um, I've had to, to gain all my muscle back from my legs which I, I lost everything. You know, I had to learn how to walk again. Um, I've had to see numerous and countless doctors and I've, I've been through so much. I think that the things that I, I deal with now are, um, it, it, when we talk about doubt, it's like, do you think you can do it again? Do you think you, you know, yes, I accomplished all these things in the past and um, I started playing when I was 16 and, you know, I I was cut from a high school team and then six years later, I'm drafted into the NBA. You know, these are, this is a journey that you don't hear very often. This is a story you don't hear very often. And so I've defeated and I've beaten the odds in, in a massive way. But when you hear the odds again of you playing, not being so high, you you start to wonder like, can can I do this? Can I? I don't know. It's taken so long. I, I don't know if I can. You know, I'm older now. Do I still? You know, do I still love the game like I like I did at that point. I think if the answer is yes to your love, and you still have that fire for something, I actually just posted something about that on my Instagram today is if you can't stop thinking about it, you owe it to yourself to fight for it. And I think when I think about it from love instead of fear, then I, 
I just know that I owe it to myself to see how far I can go. And so I push myself. I just see, I see, let's see where we can do, what, what we can do with this. And so fears come up and these doubts come up. It just reminds me of what I'm feeling inside. I have to really like, okay, why am I doing this? And I understand that when I have a strong enough why that I can endure anyhow, you know, that's Nietzsche. So that's my, that's my feeling about that. What was it like when you won the championship? First of all, the playoff grind. What did you learn from that and becoming a winner? And because once you win, I've heard from many people, it's, it's just ingrained in you, that feeling of winning. You learn so much. You get Your team becomes so tight. You learn so much about what you're capable of. And you mm-hmm. want that again, right? I mean, talk us through that journey and what <laughs> that team had and what you learned about yourself, basketball in general, and what you walked away with after winning that championship. Mentally, physically, like walk us through that journey a little bit because a lot of people don't really get that insight into like what it takes. I used to, I used to believe that championships were for other people. They were for these great, gifted God. Like I said before, like you think all these things are meant for somebody else. You think that the people who do these th- amazing things are, are born for it. Um, the fact that I got to experience this I can't explain. I, there's no, there's no words that I can put together in this next 20 minutes to tell you what it feels like. I just know that I remember this deep feeling of um, after we won, because to, to get there, you have to remember, like we, we were a rookie, like I got into the NBA to this team who was the worst. And all of a sudden Steph Curry gets healthy. Clay Thompson gets healthy. You know, we're rookies coming in the games, me, Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes. And so we're trying to fit, like, we're like, we can, we can play in the NBA. Like, we're, we're winning games. So we like, we have these dreams, lofty goals that someday we're going to win a championship. And um, people are doubting us. You know, even the first time we make the playoffs, they're like, they'll never make the playoffs. We made the playoffs. They're like, oh, they'll never win a game. And then we won a series. And they're like, they'll never. So it's, it was this constant, you're always fighting doubt. And you have to be strong inside to be able to fight it outside. And so we had this team cohesiveness that was so great. You know, we had a lot of good guys on the team. Um, we had our motto that we said all the time was just us. It's just us out here. It's just us, us and our fan base. Nobody else believes in us except us. And um, having a good team like that also helps you get through those losses, those tough times because everybody goes through it, right? Yeah. And the difference between the great teams and the not-so-good teams, it really is like a few-game difference. It's, it's situational differences. It's not everybody in the NBA can play basketball. Everybody's great, mm. right? But it's, it's little things, just like in everything else. The people that are great and the people that are good, it's just like one little decision, one little decision to go a little bit harder. One, you know, and, and in terms of a team cohesiveness, one decision to not make a selfish move or one decision to, to maybe make an extra pass to make your teammate feel better or, or to make team the team flow on the court go better so the next game is because it's always long-term goals right and um what it felt like to win the championship we had four 
I'm trying to remember the four the four goals that we had or the four um, our, um, Steve Kerr had these four things that we always had to to play with. It was like competitiveness, compassion, compassion. We're a basketball team. Think about that. Um, um, and, and these four mottos were the things that we always we live for these things, and so it created a team bond that that couldn't be broken. And and we always felt like the next man up, the next man up was supposed to give as much effort as the first guy in the game. And the first guy was supposed to be as selfish as the last guy. In the, so um, winning a championship, I was, I was just so excited, man. I was so happy, but happy is not the word. It was like, in fact, it was fear. Cause I felt like it was a dream. I sat there and I was like, yo, I really don't want to go to sleep right now after we won a championship. Cause I felt like it was a dream. Like we, this, there's no way, there's no way that this guy came coming from, coming from where I came from, from Africa, came all the way here, met all these random people on the team. And we went on to win a championship in the best league in basketball. It's just one of those things that you can't dream up. And it's a feeling that I think that everybody can experience if they really believe in their journey. Mm. If they understand that the great things in life are for everybody. It's for you too. If you face your adversity head on, if you face those tough times head on, you really can accomplish amazing things. Everybody on the team, the Golden State Warriors at the time, was Steph Curry had an ankle injury that almost took him out of the NBA. Draymond Green was nobody expected him to be to be that. Mm. Clay Thompson, people didn't even know who he was at one point. And if you look all the way down the, the, the line of the roster, everybody overcame some adversity. Mm. And so when you say like, oh well they're the best team in the NBA, yeah, of course. But they had to earn it. Mm. And so for all of us um, that first championship, especially, you know, it was the, I mean, we hadn't won a championship since the seventies. Yeah. Golden State Warriors have had so many other talented people and it's just, there's a level of also a level of grit that comes with being the champion. There's a level of, of bounce back, a level of, of perseverance and, and not being, not giving up and, and fighting through injuries and, there's so much that comes with winning a championship. And I hope that if anybody is hearing this, that they understand that your championship is coming. Matter of fact, the, the, the injuries, the tough times, the challenges, the adversity, they're actually a sign that if you push through, there's something on the other end. Because I think I could give you so many examples of this. And, you know, I had a teammate and Sean Liverpool. Livingston, I don't know if you know who that is, but Sean Livingston was a top pick in the NBA. And he was playing with the Clippers at the time. Had a devastating knee injury. This was back in, this was um, in 07, 09, something crazy, right? Went through, he almost lost his leg. He went through the ringer to play ball again. He never gave up. Well, Sean was my teammate with the Golden State Warriors. We wouldn't have won a championship without Sean Livingston. 
Shelton goes on to be a three-time champion in the NBA. Now he's an assistant. He's a he's a front office executive with the Warriors. Actually, just took that job uh, a couple months ago. I just say that I give you that story to say it, it wasn't. I give you that story to say that everybody is everybody's a superhero of their own stories. Everybody's a beast in their own stories. You kind of have to, you have to believe it first of all. And that belief has to show itself in the battles and fighting through these battles. So yeah, that championship meant more than just winning. It meant that uh, this group of people who were rejects at some point in their careers could come back and be champions. You know, it's, it, it should mean a lot to a lot of people. What was the difference between that team versus the team you guys set the record? Because that happens a lot. I know it's happened in hockey a lot. The team will win and then they'll just dominate the next year and then they won't win. And, you know, that's, that happens a lot, right? Like how, how different was that? How different was everybody's mindset? Like what, what, was, the dif- what was the difference in the factor of like, you know, winning versus Are we not? better the next year? Oh, we were actually better the next year. We felt like we wouldn't lose a game. We it was it was a little unbelievable. The, whenever we lost, we felt like, why why did we lose that game? There was a certain anger. You know, the only place to go when you're up is down. And even after we won, because like I said, the team of rejects, people were like, no, they it was lucky. They they're not going to do it again. And we came back the next following season with a lot of venom. And we just wanted to win. Matter of fact, after we won the championship, we were reading all these comments of people. And we were like, oh. So the following season was even better. We were even better. We played amazingly great. I think that there's also, you know, there were injuries. There were things that came into play which were out of our control. Um, And at the end of the day, that's how life goes, too. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And it says a lot about the team that was created at that point too, because they have gone on to win a couple more after that. So um, you just can't stop. You can't stop at any point. You can't stop at a point because you feel like that's not where, you know, we, we won one year, the next year we went there and we were supposed to win. This time it's like, okay, they've won. Matter of fact, they were already bringing the trophy out. Like, yo, you guys have won, you go celebrate. And we lost. It was the biggest embarrassment. But at the end of the day, having people who have been through challenges to get to where they get to, a new challenge is not going to stop you. It's not going to cripple you. you. You'll be like, man, I've gone through so much more. I'm going to figure out a way to bounce back. And um, I'm proud of them. They did. They, they figured it out. I'm actually in the middle of my bounce back right now, which yeah. I'm excited for. Mm, yeah, talk us about let's, – that's perfect. Let's talk about rebuilding the beast. Walk us through your journeys right now and, and what – what you're working on with that. Talk about maybe your podcast as well, all the good stuff you're up to now. Rebuilding the Beast is the concept I created um, as I started to work my way back. It was this idea that um, I had been through so many rebuilds, you know, whether it's moving to America, whether it's discovering basketball, going to college, playing the NBA. At each point, there was almost this, this, this theme of, of, of give me something and I will, I will work with it and I will make something out of it. Now I was faced with an injury where I could either quit and stop and go do something else 
or I could fight through and see if I can make my way back to playing again. And I knew it was going to be a long journey. I knew it was going to be at least a few years if I could play again. And I just want I just, like I said, let's see. And so I said, rebuild, I was rebuilding the beast. And the more I shared it on social media, people were, they loved it. They were like, man, like you're so inspiring him. And so people started reaching out to me. I'm, I'm talking about rebuilding my body and my knee and, and these, these parts of my body and, and like, you know, discussing my, my, my fears and my pains and all these things. And, and people who are dealing with, uh, with, with recovery from sicknesses, people who are dealing with recovery from um, their uh, drug abuse, recovery from, you know, a broken heart, all these different things. They were reaching out to me and saying, hey, I'm just so inspired by your ability not to, not, you're, you're not giving up. I see you working hard every day. And I don't know what it is, but it's making me want to keep going. It makes me. It makes me want to keep going. How am I saying this? I'm messing up. But um, it's yeah. Sorry, it's late over here. No, man, um, it's fine. But it makes me keep pushing. And the more they saw my post, the more they felt like they could relate. And so I wanted to do that. I, and at the end of the day, I want my journey to mean more than just me. I want it to mean more than than me playing basketball again and if i can play basketball again it would be a dream come true for me but what would be an even bigger dream for me is if people see my journey and feel like they can keep going in whatever struggles they're facing mm -hmm. and so i decided actually over quarantine i had a bunch of time on my hands and so i created this page on instagram where I told people stories, people were talking about their, their comeback stories. They're going through adversity and, and remaking themselves reshaping themselves. So we call it rebuilding the beast. This idea that you can go through a challenge and you can come out on the other side even better. Imagine if you proactively, I, you know, we think about adversities. Adversities create great, like no great person has ever created something without adversity, right? Without fighting through adversity. And so we think about it that way. But when you're in the middle of your own issue, you're like, man, I'm never going to make it out of this. I, and you start doubting yourself. Imagine if we can proactively, there is something, there is something on the other side of this for me. There's something amazing, something great, if I just keep pushing through. And so if I, if I figure if I tell enough of these stories, maybe people can't relate to me as a basketball player trying to play basketball again. Or maybe they can relate to you rebuilding as you're working on a podcast. It doesn't matter what the struggle is. It could be somebody who's dealing with a drug addiction. It could be somebody who's dealing with an abusive parents, abusive home, and trying to create a family of their own now after knowing only this abusive home as a kid, right? People are dealing with their own different struggles in their different ways, and they're rebuilding and figuring out ways to work with their adversities. So if you can create a platform and a community of people to, to be inspired, um, and to inspire each other and to heal each other's wounds, why not? That's the whole point of this. And so I want to use my journey to do that. So I want to go back to play basketball again. I am, I am my own beast in my way. I'm rebuilding my own beast, but there's a bunch of other people who are rebuilding the beast, and I can't wait to tell their stories. Dude, so inspiring, man. Honestly, it's so great to connect with you and 
kind of, you know, see where you're at and hear, you know, how humble you are and just like how much resilience you have. And dude, it's, it's awesome. Thank you for being you, brother. Thank you so much for, for showing up and just like really showing people that you just got to believe. You got to keep going, right? And at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we have. We got to believe in ourselves. So thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your wisdom with us. I appreciate you having me, man. This is awesome. I'm glad. I hope I hope this is I try my best to stay on point, but like I said, the the time difference and being here at night it, it kind of messes you up a little bit. I hope you have something to work with here tonight. Dude, this was absolute <laughs> fire, man. If people fire. want to check you out on your journey, um we'll put it all in the show notes. Where's the best place to learn more about you and what you're up to? Oh yeah, I just I have my social media. Um I have at at Fezzy Fell, F-E-Z-Z-Y-F-E-L, and uh, Rebuilding the Beast, at Rebuilding the Beast on Instagram and all those different platforms, rebuildingthebeast.com. Um, this is something that I want to grow. It's something I'm actually really excited about. I, I, I try my best, or I used to not want to be on social media because I felt like it wasn't, it was this fake world. But no, you actually, there's so many people on there looking for a direction. And so- yeah. I want people to, I want to be a positive voice on there. I want to use it for good. So yeah, at Rebuilding the Beast is uh, where you can find me. Awesome, man. Okay, if we had to give the listeners one last takeaway and you had to unpack all the struggles, adversities, all the challenges that you've been through and you had to say it as one lesson that adversity has taught you, what would that lesson be? What is this? Um, there's a, there's a, there's this thing I saw recently about if you have eight hundred and sixty-three thousand dollars, and someone stole ten dollars from you, and I don't know if I'm doing the math right here. If they took stole ten dollars from you, would you throw the whole the rest of the money away? And it was just this idea of the amount of seconds that you have in a day, or let's call the 863,000, the number of days you have to live, right? I don't know how, how the math goes there, but I'm just saying that whenever you have an adverse situation hit you, something goes wrong, it's just a little bit of your time, it's a little bit of your, your, your life. Don't let that situation, and, and it's easier for me to say on this side, but I just want to inspire and I want to, I hope just me saying it just gives you a little bit more push through. Don't let that little bit of thing turn into the rest of your life. You have a chance to make and a choice that you can make at every stage in your life that say, hey, you know, this happened and it sucks that it happened. And I'm going to cry, I'm going to grieve, but I'm not going to let it take away the rest of my life. I'm not going to let it stop me from being somebody who can save other people who are in my situation. I'm not going to stop me let it stop me from being the great person that I can be. So um, I just look at, I live by the motto and I live by the quote, God gave you this mountain so you can show others that it can be moved. That's something that I, I think about all the time. And your challenge could just be a way for you to reach the world. And um, I don't know. I just want to inspire people to keep going. Man, well said. Thank you so much, my man. I'm so excited to, you know, 
learn about your journey and be, you know, talking to you about this. And it's just, it's great. And dude, I, um, wish you the best, man. I, I can't wait to see you back playing and I think it's going to be awesome. You're going to do it. And that's the story, right? Looking back and be able to look, show the journey that you went on and that it's possible and you're going to inspire a ton of people, man. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks everybody. Make sure to follow Festus and go check out Rebuilding the Beast on Instagram. Follow him on Instagram. And yeah, if you've got value from that, please share this with a friend if you can on social media or leave us a review. It's always greatly appreciated. And if you aren't already, if you want to stay on top of these episodes, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Or if you want to head over to YouTube and watch this, it's available there and you can subscribe as well. Thanks very much, everybody. Love you all. Catch you next time.